Hello and welcome to People Places Power with me, Nick Cull. And me, Simon Anhold. This is the second season of our podcast in which we think about uh, international reputation and foreign policy and a few other issues along the way. And this is our our first episode. So uh, welcome to season two. Uh, In this particular episode, we're going to be thinking about the findings of the Anhalt Ipsos Nation Brands Index, which published figures uh, a couple of months ago now in October 2021. And the significance of these figures is they actually give us a snapshot of how feeling about um, the uh, about nations is 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 changing during the pandemic. Now, if you remember back um, uh, last year, the the 2020 numbers were notable in that in this most boring of runs of figures, they showed dramatic movement, and two countries were particularly af- affected. The United States had dropped back to tenth place, which was a historic low in um, the index. Uh, but China dropped dramatically 10 places, which is almost, uh, I, I don't think we'd seen anything like that before. It dropped to 35, so it was behind India. So, Simon, how did these two um, uh, fare in the 2021 version of the figures? Well, I think we, we, we see the beginning of a recovery. They haven't continued to fall. Um, in the case of uh, China, um, it's beginning the, the steep climb back to where it's traditionally sat in the in the index um, and has, has risen up from 35th to 31st place. Um, that's a difficult word to say, 31st. <laughs> um, <laughs> in terms of actual scores, uh, it's gained um, nearly four points. So from 54.00 last year to um, 57.93. Mm-hmm. So that is that is quite a quite a big leap, quite an unusual um, amount of of, uh, of climbing, and uh, the United States uh, similarly, um, not nearly so far back up, but it's gone from tenth to eighth, um, and has put on about uh, four or so uh, data points in between. So. Um, there's a difference between the two, obviously. The principal reason why the US found itself in that very low position uh, wasn't, in fact, the pandemic. It was the Trump presidency. Um, as a general rule, and we have touched on this before, um, what goes on inside countries, the pandemic being an example of something going on inside a country, doesn't really do much to affect the image of that country. The only thing that affects the image of a country is if it's perceived to do something that influences the world outside its own borders. Right. And so the U.S. having difficulties with the pandemic didn't influence anybody outside the U.S. Having Donald Trump as president did. China having domestic problems with COVID didn't affect China's image. But the perception that China had caused the virus to infect the rest of the world certainly did have an impact on its image. So that's the way that it works. And uh, that's the reason why we found um, that um, the US didn't uh, didn't fall so far and has, uh, has started recovering fairly quickly. But this is still not the, this is not the Obama bounce. I remember when, uh, when Obama was elected, the US went from 
uh, from like number five or six right up to number one immediately yes. in this miraculous recovery. Uh, where do you see people still suspicious of the U.S.? Is it is it still in a, a, a concern over how American people treat each other? Uh, where's the weakness in, in America's reputation? Well, a couple of things to say here. First of all, um, the the election of President Biden appeared to look to the rest of the world like America's back to normal, because Biden right. looked very much like a normal U.S. president. Yes. Um, Obama, on the contrary, uh, looked to many, many people in many parts of the world like America going back to far better than usual. And so that's why right. there was this gigantic leap up to first. Having said that, um, first has been over the years the typical position of the US in the Nation Brands Index. That's sort of where it's designed to be, not by the not by the index, but by itself. And so although it was a gigantic leap um, on Obama's return, it's more striking how modest the improvement was upon the replacement of Trump with Biden. And so I think that's also partly to do with the fact that, yeah, Biden is a is is a less charismatic, less exciting, less obviously positive development for the rest of the world and then um, Obama appeared to be. But it's also partly to do with the fact that quite a lot of the damage done to the image of the US in recent years, mainly by the Trump presidency, but general underlying tendencies as well, is very severe this time. And I think that a lot of people have started in their minds practicing with the idea that America's kind of gone forever. Right. Um, and so it will need an awful lot more than a new somewhat liberal leading president uh, for people to decide that America is really back. Um, I think they're not. Right. So the problem, this is always a problem with reputation, that if you do a bad thing long enough, it becomes who you are. Yeah. And, um, uh, you know, that may that may be what we're starting to see with the with the U.S., now, the other uh, story that really struck me with these numbers was um, the UK mm. and a, um, uh, a rather overdue reckoning for weakness in British behavior in, in recent years. Finally, uh, you know, the, the um, uh, consequences of Brexit Mm. And poor handling of COVID seemed to be showing up in the. Oh, that was you know my immediate reading on it. Uh, seemed to be showing up in the uh, reputation of the UK, uh, mm. which uh, went from second to fifth. I think is that correct? Yeah. Yes. Although we need to be careful because rankings, uh, as you know, and we've warned listeners about this in the past, rankings are also affected by other countries in the list above you. Um, and so if, for example, a country that was previously below you rises above you, that will push you down, even though you yourself may not have changed. So although um, the UK has indeed moved from second place to fifth place, its scores have actually increased from hmm. 68.15 to 70.108. Now, that's a smaller increase than most of the other countries near the top of the index. We, we've spoken before. Um, about how uh, people's feelings about countries tend to move in cohort, that there is a thing which, for want of a better expression, we might call the global mood, and that causes wholesale changes to all countries. Most people don't seem to change their minds about individual countries on an individual basis year by year. Mm -hmm. 
But what we do find is that the entire sample, which remember is between 70 and 80% of the world's population, changes its mind about almost all countries from year to year. And so between 20 and 21 was a year in which the world seemed to like the idea of other countries slightly better than it did in the previous year. Right. Felt for some, for whatever reason that things were looking better. So we went back to the normal situation of most countries adding value to their images between 20 and 21, and the UK added somewhat less value to its image than the majority of other, of other countries did. So but it looks like people admire British culture, um, that that side of Britain is still um, very strong, and, uh, um, but, uh, but people seem to have noticed that British people don't like each other mm. and maybe aren't tolerant of newcomers and visitors either. And that's that's a serious weakness. Well, it would you, you might expect it to be a serious weakness, but I'd be very cautious about um, about extrapolating image effects from domestic issues, uh, okay. simply because time and time again we've seen that people a really don't know very much about what's going on inside other countries. Right. Um, and b, if they do know what's going on, it doesn't really affect their opinion about that country very much. So over and over again, I've had to remind people that handling the pandemic well is not a reason for people to admire yes. another country more, although that's an almost universal assumption. If you handle the pandemic badly, your image will deteriorate. If you handle it well, your image will improve. It's just not borne out by the data. Um, uh, Pew have done research over many years looking at consumption of media, domestic versus international media. And the figures, uh, I forget what they are exactly, but they show that the overwhelming majority of people around the world do not consume international media. They don't know and they don't care to find out what's going on inside other countries. So Yes, of course, the elites, the people who read international media, the people who care about and find out about what's going on in other countries will be aware that, that Britain is going through a period of domestic stress at the moment. But then find me a country that isn't. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's nothing very unusual there. America's a little bit different because it's so much on display to the world. It's right. so mediatized and it's such a source of fascination for so many people. I mean, how many people on the planet didn't watch the Capitol being stormed? Um, right. And so people do know about what's going on in America. And I've no doubt that the, uh, the, the huge social problems that are being faced in the United States do have a bit of an effect on its external image. I seriously doubt whether that's the same, uh, the same thing with, with Britain. Now, of the other the other gainers this year, um, the countries that are moving up, you've got Canada now in second place, mm. uh, Italy and and Japan both uh, uh, doing well. Uh, are there advances due to uh, enhanced qualities of those places, or is it people catching on to defects with uh, um, the UK and France, um, which have more traditionally been in in the top uh, top three or four? Well, we could speculate about it endlessly, but the reality of the matter is that these are very small changes. And, right. um, you know, the difference between third and fifth uh, or it's third... Tenuous, it's tiny, yes. It's tiny. We're you know, we're talking about a list now of 60 different countries. So 
I'm tempted to say that in most cases, those changes of up to three or four places in the ranking are not statistically significant. And it would be a mistake to try to um, to extrapolate any. Important... So nobody should be fired on the basis of these numbers. Definitely not. Um, definitely not. Uh, I think that um, it's always the way, isn't it? Uh, I, I get people um, who are supposedly responsible for the images of their countries complaining to me bitterly every year that the that the Nation Brands Index somehow doesn't reflect all of the effort they've been making to try and improve <laughs> the image of their country, um, as if you somehow get marks for trying from public opinion. But, you know, the, the bottom line, and we always come back to this, is that most people in the world really don't care very much about other countries. And so it's not surprising if they don't tend to change their minds about other countries. When we see a country moving up and down by, uh, up or down by five or 10 places, even as was the case with China, then we know that something important is going on and it's worth exploring the data to try and get some 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 indications about why that's happening. But honestly, between th- third and fifth or sixth and fourth, it's just not worth the effort. Um. A long-term story in in this index has been uh, South Korea, mm. and uh, looking at their numbers, uh, South Korea is again doing uh, doing well. Uh, score is increasing. I think it would have moved up a place had you not this year for the first time included Iceland. Mm. So uh, South Korea remains in. Um, its place, which 23rd. is what is it? Twenty third. Yeah, that's right. Mm. Uh, it's it's still twenty third, mm. um, but with a um, I- increased number. And it would have been uh, it would have been twenty um, second were it not for Iceland coming in ahead of it. Um, I, and I think that's interesting, uh, uh, showing an ongoing trajectory of admiration for. Uh, for South Korea and um, deserved uh, Iceland coming in. Now that's interesting. Mm. Uh, could you talk a little bit about uh, about about that? Yes, of course. Well, j- just just to um, just to agree with you there on South Korea. South Korea really is the 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 star of the Nation Brands Index in the sense that. Um, as I say, there is a general tendency for most countries to improve their scores year on year. And one of the most fascinating findings from the Nation Brands Index over the years is that there isn't a single country that has a lower score now today in 2021 than it did in 2008. They've all improved their scores without fail. And they all go up, as I said, more or less as a cohort. So there are a few years where they all drop back a little bit, but then they carry on their generally upwards trend. South Korea is the only country that bucks that trend. It's scarcely ever, if ever, I need to check that, gone down from year to year. And so its curve of improvement is sufficiently consistent year on year for it to gradually, gradually overtake other countries. Um, And it does end up climbing. Nothing like as much as they would like, nothing like as quickly as they would like, but there's no other country in the index that performs consistently as well in terms of just rising profile as, as South Korea. Um, Chile does pretty well, but not as well as South Korea. Iceland, yeah. Now, this is more or less where we would expect it to come in, um, at the lower end of Western Europe. That's not because it's necessarily less admired than the other Western European countries. It's simply less well known than they are. 
So um, Iceland is a country that uh, is quite fashionable at the moment in the sense that uh, people like to think about it, like to talk about it. They have an appetite for information and images, particularly of Iceland. It has the um, extraordinary good luck of being very photogenic, which makes an enormous difference, at least to those of us who are sighted. Um, and uh, it's a country that's uh, much admired and has recovered an awfully long way um, from, from the dark days of its economic collapse, um, whenever that was 10 years ago or so. So, so this is a good place for Iceland to, to come in, um, just below Ireland and just above Greece. Um, and uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, where it goes from here, whether it just stays in that position or whether it's actually um, heading either up and or down. Are you planning to keep Iceland in the, um, in, in, in the mix? I would like to. Um, I think its absence was notable. Um, it's the sort of country you'd want to have in there. But there's yes. always competition for space in the NBI. We, we have just expanded the total number of, of countries covered from 50 to 60, which is one of the reasons that we were able to include Iceland. Um, I'm hoping that we, we will be able to keep it in there, but we'll see. It does also depend on what else goes on in the world and what else uh, needs measuring. Because mm -hmm. I saw Slovakia is in there too for the first time. Uh, yes. Somewhere in the lower 30s, I think. Yeah, 37, um, which uh, I know is going to be um, a disappointment for the for the Slovakians, but, um, uh, you know, that you might well say, well, it's uh, less known Europe, um, but then again, um, that's seven places lower than the Czech Republic um, and five places lower than Hungary. Now, Hungary is a famous European country, the Czech Republic not so famous. So no. there's, um, there's, uh, it, it will be worthwhile looking into Slovakia and seeing why it does come in so significantly lower than some of its neighbours. Uh, one thing that you were keen to do this time was to include both Israel and Palestine. Yeah. And we spoke about that at the end of season one. Yeah. Uh, how did that, uh, how did they perform and were there any surprises in, in the data there? Well, um, I proved to myself uh, for the hundredth time never to make predictions about where countries will end up when you include them uh, in the index for the first time. The prediction I'd made or the suspicion I'd voiced was that because all of my experience with the Nation Brands Index suggests that the one thing people don't tolerate is conflict and that they don't even really care to distinguish who's responsible and who's the victim and who's the, um, the perpetrator, my assumption was that Israel and Palestine would end up fairly close to each other in the index because they're both branded by the conflict with which they are principally associated. Turned out to be quite wrong about that. Um, Palestine has a significantly weaker image than Israel. Um, Israel comes in at 47th in the ranking, uh, and Palestine comes in last at 60th, um, below Nigeria, and um, in, in terms of actual scores, quite significantly below the bottom of the list. Now, um, I haven't changed my mind in the sense that I know that's why Palestine is down there, um, because of the association with the conflict. I wasn't expecting Israel to be as high up as it was. Um, it's still not very high up. Um, that is very near the bottom of the previous list of 50 that we had before. Um, and it's really only um, just above 
the countries that people know they don't like. So <laughs> I often say that um, the bottom uh, 10 or 15 or 20 are at the bottom because they're countries people know they don't like. And then there's another chunk of 10 or 15 or 20 just above that, who are the countries that score low, not because people know they don't like them, but don't think they like them or don't know very much about them. And Israel is somewhere on the borderline between countries that people don't think they like and know they don't like. So it's a little bit difficult to distinguish. I mean, it's it's there on almost level pegging with Ukraine. Now, no reason on mm-hmm. earth why 70% of the world's population should feel that they dislike Ukraine. Um, so it's much more likely that Ukraine is down there because there are negative associations, obviously, with conflict and stress, not Ukraine's fault. Um, but also because it's a country they know very, very little about, and it's still contaminated with that old image of the uh, the Soviet world, which doesn't go away. Right, right. Uh, and of of the Gulf states, UAE is significantly ahead of the other uh, Gulf states and comes ahead of Israel, which which I thought was was interesting. Yes. And and people people have often observed that the UAE has done a remarkably good job of raising its profile uh, in the last um, in the last decade or two. Um, it's done it um, by being very visible, spending a great deal of money, building a lot of stuff um, and doing a lot of things that have endeared it to the West, um, switching to a Western working week, the most recent one. Uh, which must have caused and must be continuing to cause a great deal of, of tension amongst its um, its uh, its Muslim neighbours. Um, but it's done that and it's done it well and it's done it consistently and it keeps on producing these trophy buildings and these trophy events and these uh, trophy cultural acquisitions. Um, I refuse to believe that the expo has made any difference to it because I have, <laughs> you know, Nick, I take a dim view of expos. Um, well, expo, uh, expo hadn't opened uh, at the time you did your polling. So there, there you maybe, go. maybe there'll be a, a 2022 uh, expo uh, bump for UAE. <laughs> yeah, well, we should definitely look in more detail next time. It comes I'm on. not, I won't take a bet from you on it though, Simon. I don't think. <laughs> don't, whatever you do. But but yeah, absolutely. There's no there's no question that that, that you that the UAE is um, is leading the pack as far as the Gulf states are concerned, and and mm-hmm. and pulling away. You know, we've got Qatar um, some way below at fiftieth place, and we've got Saudi right. Arabia some way below that at fifty fifth. Um, so and and then Palestine, as we've said, way down at the bottom at sixtieth. Having said all that, um, we've got uh, Morocco which is uh, a comfortable three places above the UAE. And so, Egypt uh, is like some in the mid-30s, isn't it? 36? Uh, 36, that's right. And, and, and that's where it always is. And Egypt gains enormously from uh, culture, history, tourism. Right. Um, and it's been a feature on the, the world tourism map for long enough um, for right. people to class it not quite in the same category as Greece and Italy, but somewhat close to that. Enough people yes. have been there and come back again um, for um, it to show up in the stats that this is a country which ultimately, although people know that it's it's a poor country, they know that it's a troubled country, nonetheless, it's not perceived to be unsafe or dangerous or malignant in the way that uh, certain other countries are. 
Right. No, I think that that that, that that's um, uh, a, po- a positive showing for them. Uh, mm. Looking at the the figures as a whole, um, uh, this business of mood, um, mm. <laughs> it it seems like people are interested in traveling once again. And there seems to be a, a curiosity about other places. Did you ask about that, or uh, which places do you want to go to? Oh, sure. Well, that that's one of the that's one of the key questions in in the the tourism part of the questionnaire. We say, uh, if price were no object, would you like to go on holiday to this country? So we're we're looking at people's desire rather than their necessarily their future behaviour. Um, and we find that Egypt, yes, is one of those countries that, that, that people would like to visit um, because global culture has sun, done such a good job of telling the world the story of ancient Egypt over so many so many decades and centuries. So everybody knows that it's worth visiting. There's no doubt about that. Um, I, I, one, of the, one of the other things that's, that's quite interesting is um, um, we've been doing a little bit of this analysis this year, is looking at... Um, not just what people think about other countries, but what they, what they think about the issues that are around at the moment. Mm. Um, and although that doesn't feed into the rankings because it's not specifically about countries, it does provide us with a with a wealth a wealth of additional detail. Some of which is really interesting. I was just looking uh, before we spoke today at um, what are considered to be the most pressing global issues, uh, region by region. So. If, for example, um, you look at um, uh, North America, you might well think that something like managing a healthcare crisis would be their top issue, or depending on uh, what your perception is of uh, climate change skepticism, you might think it might be protecting the environment. Actually, it's neither of the two. The number one concern in North America is reducing poverty. Um, And that's also the case throughout Latin America, and it's also the case, perhaps less surprisingly, throughout the Middle East and Africa. So in those three regions, the number one global issue, as far as people are concerned, is reducing poverty. Fascinating, really, when you consider that North America yes. is, is so wealthy. Um, in uh, there's, There are only two regions where protecting the environment and natural resources are the number one concern. And those are Western Europe, as you might expect, and Asia-Pacific, which is quite interesting because uh, we don't always think of Asia-Pacific as being a region of the of the Earth where acute awareness of climate change is, 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 is high, is prominent. But that is their number one issue. Um, and Central and Eastern Europe uh, is different again. Their number one global issue is increasing living conditions and quality of life. Again, it's not right. when you think about it, but that pushes environment down to number two and poverty down to number three. So, um, so it's a really interesting picture, and it makes you realise that uh, if part of the aim of humanity over the coming years is to get the whole of humanity understanding, knowing about, believing in, and doing something about uh, sustainable behaviour, um, and mm-hmm. And, and abating climate change insofar as it's possible, we've got a hell of a job on our hands because there are only two regions that even regard it as the most important issue. Absolutely. And I, I think um, that you need to be 
uh, credible on, on multiple fronts, and you can't just be all about one one single uh, one single issue. Um, and uh, it, it, it's so it's it, it's so important to have an understanding of what other countries are uh, are, are looking for. Mm. Um, and so I, th- I think this this is incredibly uh, in, incredibly helpful uh, mm. to have this uh, this context going forward. Yeah. What surprised you when you looked at these numbers? You know, you're quite mm. jaded with the, having done this for what is it now? Sixteen years, uh, a uh, long time. Mm. Um, uh, what, what surprised you when you were looking at these these numbers? Where was your oh my goodness moment? Um, perhaps the most surprising country performance two years in a row is China. Um, what yeah. was uh, at the time so surprising about China last year was how far it dropped. In retrospect, maybe that wasn't so surprising. What's surprising this year is how um, rapidly it seemed to begin to recover. And it would be, it's, a, it's always tempting to um, anthropomorphize, if that's not the wrong word, to personify public opinion, to individualize. Mm-hmm. But it does seem over the years as if people are not terribly good at holding grudges against countries. Um, they, public opinion seems to suffer momentary irritation or rage towards certain countries based on what they've done. But they nearly always seem to forgive and forget. Now, I don't know whether that's just because people are nice and they're not very good at, at feeling uh, feeling negative thoughts for very long, or whether it's just that fact, which I've noticed since the very, very beginning with this index, that countries are attached to their conventional images by a piece of very strong elastic. Um, mm, yes. And the, the default mode of the way that the world sees the world is is static. It doesn't change, certainly not from year to year. Um, and it may just be that uh, if a country behaves in a particularly shocking way in one particular year, that does stretch the elastic and people will downgrade it temporarily in their minds. But it's too much of an effort to keep that in their mind for more than about a year. And so gradually over the course of a year or two, it springs back to where it belongs. And then normal. And to, be, to be honest, to be honest, China's doing a lot of things now that are paying rent on its emerging image. Uh, you know, its work uh, distributing its vaccines, uh, the continued uh, impact of the Belt and Road Initiative. Uh, these things are consistent with a, an emerging image of China as a, a, a global player and a global partner in development. So for a, for a lot of countries, uh, there's you know a positive underpinning of uh, global activity on the part of China um, that, and I think China's mask diplomacy um, uh, is um, uh, you know, part, they put a lot of effort into being seen as a, a positive contributor to a, a global commons. So maybe that's being um, built into the equation and the, um, uh, the reading that you got in it would have been June July 2020 really reflected an, uh, a rage at, at the global disruption. Yes, um, who knows? Who knows whether the recovery of China is because there are actually good things in there which people are noticing, or whether it's simply that they are unable to focus on the bad things for too long. I suspect the latter rather than the former. 
just because um, okay. the good things that you mentioned, mask diplomacy. For me, mask diplomacy is the is the very image of um, futile uh, yeah. propaganda. Um, and it's futile not mainly because it's the wrong thing to do or a bad thing to do, but just because so few people hear about it or believe in it when they do hear about it. Um, the, the way that people think about other countries, particularly very rich and powerful countries like China, um, they don't assign positive values to their or positive drivers to their behavior. Nobody really believes that nation states are moral entities. Nobody really believes that they're nice and that they do things because they're nice. So the, the, the feeling I get is that international public opinion considers nation states to be um, pretty pathological, and especially the ones they don't like, of course. And um, their assumption is that, that um, if a nation does something, a nation's government does something like send a um, a container full of masks to another country, um, they're only doing it because they want to achieve a certain effect. And there's this right. immense scepticism about these gestures, rightly yeah. so, because 99 times out of 100, public opinion is right. And it is just propaganda. Yeah. And they are just trying to tweak their images. So, you know, that, that kind of stuff, I remain to be, to be convinced that that kind of stuff works. I've seen no evidence that it does. No, and I think that um, uh, that makes a lot. Your, you know, your argument uh, there makes a lot of sense to me. Mm. Well, it'll be interesting to check in again this time next year and see where things uh, where things stand and how the um, uh, various efforts that I know are planned for improving image uh, play out over the next twelve months. That's all we have time for uh, this week. But listeners, welcome back to season two. Thanks so much for listening. I'm still Nick Cole. And I believe that I'm still Simon Anhold. <laughs>